In this episode, I interview Murray Howlett, accountant and wealth advisor. He gives us the accountant's perspective, the stuff they didn't teach him at uni, of where value sits for the client, his best of breed team, his vision of the future in advice, and his own personal development. Great insights. Welcome to the Gafford Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Great to have you all listening in today. We are very fortunate today. We've got Murray Howlett with us, Murray from Pilot Partners Accounting. Murray's an expert in the wealth advisory space, sitting on family boards, forming advisory boards, and he's been doing this a long time. He's here today to share the wisdoms and the ups and downs of that journey to mastery. Morning, Muzz. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to, hear, great to hear your voice. So, Murray, maybe let's start with this whole concept of commoditization that I've been rabbiting on about in my podcast around legal, around accounting, and around wealth management services. Do you have a view on that in, in from, a, from an accounting point of view? Yes, it's, it's certainly something that has been on accountants' agendas for, well, a little while now. Um, and, and it is, I think like many industries, it is something that we can't lose sight of. Uh, I tend to also incorporate in commoditization the rise of artificial intelligence, because I think the two do go hand in hand to some degree. Um, there is a divide occurring in our in our in our historically provided services, whereby a lot of the stereotypically thought of accounting processes of journal entries and bank reconciliations and tax returns can and are commoditized. Um, and there's other elements that accountants do that are, are more advisory. If I can be a little bit blunt, uh, which I'm yet to see particularly well commoditized or, or driven by AI. So, Mars, where, 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 as a, you know, you're in a partnership of, is it eight partners or ten partners? Or, um, do, do, is your partnership aligned or agreed with strategy into the future around all this? Getting partners aligned is as simple as herding cats, as you would understand. Yep. Uh, but look, I, I think in, in any successful business, you do have to have robust conversations around these issues, and over time we have. And I think that, yes, we are largely aligned on those thoughts. Um, and if you want me to step into that a little bit more, yep. what, where, where we try to position ourselves really is that there is always a cheaper commoditization service that is available, and we're not interested in competing in that space. We exist as advisors... Um, and we do that job better when we do some, but not all, of that commoditized uh, service as well. Uh, and that, that's the, the positioning we, we seek to have. Great, because, you know, every day I'm inundated with emails from India or Vietnam asking about $40 tax returns being done, which sort of leads me to, the, you know, that leads me back to commoditization or where does the value sit um, from an accounting perspective now? Yeah, um, I think it's really in 
I say advisory, but but what does that mean? Uh, I think it's really in knowing our clients' relationship. An old partner of mine used to say, if you haven't said relationship seven times in every meeting, you've failed. <laughs> I tend to agree with him. Yeah. It's all about knowing your clients, knowing what they're trying to achieve and uh, ensuring that we're, our advice is always focused on doing that. Um, and even if that is in, in putting together a tax return or, or auditing some financial statements, keeping that, that focus on the relationship and the purpose for them uh, is what we should be doing at our best. Part, yes, part of this podcast, Miles, is about what they didn't teach you at uni. And, uh, and I know you've done a lot of uh, personal development work in this relationship space. And maybe if you could make comment for me from, you know, what, what they did teach you at uni, but then what they didn't teach you at uni about the relationship piece. I'm actually trying to think whether I learned anything about the relationship at uni. Probably in the rec club, I went to the University of Queensland, that was the bar. <laughs> That's where you learned about relationships. Yeah. Uh, or on the sports field, as, as you grow up, I would also suggest. But I don't know that there was anything formal at all at university. I do remember we did a course called Organisational Behaviour, but I can't tell you what I learned. Um, the, this stuff, I think, it is an interesting one because you tend to learn it generally in our industry through doing, through making mistakes, through seeing others do it well and imitating. And then, and I've been doing this for some 30 years, uh, and then you do start to at some point, and for me it was probably 15 years ago, start to perhaps seek out a little bit of, gee, I've seen that person, they seem to do it really well. I need to learn more from them or, or how they do that. And so you do find, or I found that I sought out some education but even there i'd call it more coaching rather than courses it's not lectures and uni based it's coaching and uh and, and that sort of learning i think is where in my experience that that's been helpful yes yeah, so, and I, you know I've, I've seen i've seen you develop these skills over the years but, you know and I, I say it loosely people skills and i'm just referring back to your comment about what you're trying to understand is what what people are trying to achieve now, typically as professionals, quite often we dive into the content without getting context. And I think that's a skill that wasn't taught at uni. And I think it's a skill that all the professions now are looking towards. How do I get on the same page as the client? How do I understand where they're trying to get to from point A to point B? And how do I get them there with the least amount of risk? And I see that's you know, across the board is the skill that we all need to learn. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And so, just, you know, with your own staff training, where do you see that going in the future? It's a very interesting question for right now. I, I was just uh, in a conversation immediately before this podcast with one of my partners discussing um, some proposals for some, uh, some trainings that are, that are happening at the, no, they're not happening. We are looking to source some trainings for our senior people on exactly these issues, on exactly how do they lead teams better. But that's very much about relationship and being inspiring and being inspired and how do they engage with their clients better. Um, we haven't historically done that very well, if I can be blunt. Like most organisations, we've been very good at saying, we're going to teach you to be a really good accountant and when we think you're a really good accountant, we're then going to criticise you for not being a very good people person. Yeah, I think, and 
Yeah, it's not a criticism. It's just that you, you become subject matter experts. Yes. And so when someone has a problem, I know that you can solve that problem, you know, in a heartbeat from a content point of view. But I always go back to the story of when I walked into a legal firm and we were doing a restructure and they did some, you know, they did some restructure work for me. And then at the end of it, I said, I'm really disappointed. And they said, why? I said, well, you didn't ask me about my family, my business partners, where we're going as a business. What's my exit strategy? What do my wills look like? Like you didn't get a sense of uh, me as a person about where I'm going to. And, and they'd completely missed the point. Then obviously they turned around and said, well, well can we talk, talk about that now? I said, no, no, that, that, that bus is gone. And I think it happens for with all of us, don't we? We go into content, we go into content or solution mode very quickly without having the skill to be able to sit back, look for context and be able to have the broader conversation. I agree with that. Um, and if I can add one other comment there that I've learned really very much through you, Scott, is um, being positioned uh, at the right time to have a broader conversation. If uh, in, in my world, I can often position myself or be positioned by others as that uh, content subject matter expert. So people come to me thinking, I'm only going to talk about accounting issues, tax issues. Um, and if I attempt at times to perhaps broaden that to those, tell us why we're doing this, tell us how you think and what's important, there are times when they're not ready for that conversation because they're not in the right mindset because we haven't positioned ourselves appropriately first. So we have to do work to have the right to have those conversations. Yes, it's that right to speak and that positioning up front in a, uh, in a meeting. And I know, you know we've spoken about, wouldn't it be good if everybody in the organisation had the same elevator speech or had the same uh, thought process around we really want clients for life we want to be able to sort after your, we want to be able to look after your accounting needs but we're also really interested in you as a person almost from cradle to grave yeah no I completely agree and so that sort of leads me to you know from a what do you think clients value uh, from what you do for them and I've seen you in action uh, outside of just the accounting phase. Um, I, there's probably two answers I'd give to it. And one is that we do help them solve their problems. And, and I don't mean they're necessarily their accounting problems, although that's part of it. it. It is coming back to these broader issues of I was worried about um, my family dynamic and how it interplayed in my business and I didn't really know the questions to ask or how to resolve it, but after going through a journey two years on, I'm in a far more comfortable place, and that's where you've been of value to us. Um, uh, I said there's going to be two things, and that's that I've lost, lost track of the that's first That's right. One, so but, how did, uh, but how did you broach that with a client to start with? Well, and, and that's the challenging part, is having to have you know that particular example i'm thinking about is is one where you've been involved scott where uh i struggled to uh to flag it with the client even though i knew it was the issue because that positioning piece and that right to speak had not been well played i needed in that instance to bring somebody else in differently positioned to ask different questions have different conversations to allow any traction to occur um because the historic relationship with that client was a subject matter relationship. Oh, there you go. And so that sort of 
that's a great segue for me, uh, Murray, Indu. Just this concept of building a best-of-breed team around yourself, but also around your clients. Yeah. Um, I, I, I cannot... Uh, I just can't say how important I think that is to, to our business. Um, and also to achieve those outcomes for clients we talked about where we are actually helping them to, to achieve their solve their problems because they're not all accounting problems. They're not all wealth problems. Um, and, and so how do we go about that? The, the best answer I've really got is that over a career, you get opportunity to work with different people. As you work with different people, you get to understand how they think, what makes them tick, and, and whether they're able and willing to be a collaborative on the same journey. Um, and if they are, then there's real opportunity. They've got to be good at what they do. They have to be the subject matter expert. But there's real opportunity to grow each other's businesses concurrently. Um, That's a good point. The, what I see happening out there is that if, if you've got a hundred million dollars plus in assets, you know you're a single family office. But for a lot of us, we work in that five million to eighty million dollar space where you're either a virtual family office or a multi-family office, which means you need to surround yourself with the other subject matter experts, but be able to work collaboratively for the outcome for the client. Yes. Whereas in the first one, you, you know, you're just going to employ your own accountants, lawyers, advisors, counsellors, etc. Whereas in the market space we typically work in, you and I, it's so vitally important to have that best of breed team around you. I completely agree. And if I can just make one other comment that I see as really critical in that space is that for that best of breed team to work together, it is about collaboration. It's also about leaving the egos at the door. Um, again, if I can tell a little story, there's a, there's a lawyer I do a, a fair amount of work with, and he and I were both advising a professional firm about you know, possibly some restructures or, or some other, other changes they were bringing. Uh, and I spent about half an hour chatting about the legal issues and he was very, very kind in letting me do so before chiming in right at the end and saying, well, I agree with the vast majority of what you've said. Um, and it wasn't my wheelhouse, but at the same time, we knew each other, we knew how we worked, we knew the client, and I had the stronger relationship and it just made sense for me to lead those conversations. Uh, a different lawyer in that room may well have... Uh, got their nose out of joint with the way that conversation went, but at the end of the day, he got the job, um, and the client's happy. Yeah, that's a really great point around leaving the ego at the door, and the value then that comes from the education that over time, I know that, you know, if I'm in the in the room with the right lawyer or someone like yourself, that over time I start to pick up the I pick up the the nuggets of gold, and maybe vice versa. Uh, and then it doesn't really matter uh, when we're sitting in front of the client. We don't need to try to outgun each other. We're all sitting there with a common context. And it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. It, it does take time. And, it, and again, it's relationship with those people to know that, uh, that it is a safe environment to raise an issue and have them say, actually, I think that's a bit flawed in this instance because, and that being okay, and, and Murray, just on building your best of breed team, did you have a formula for that or it was just a, uh, a bit of a spray and pray? Was it, how did that work for you? 
Uh, it's, it's a bit of both, I would say, Scott. Um, it sort of starts with a bit of spray and pray in a sense of just getting to know different people. And we still, all, we're always interested in meeting new players, getting to understand them, and, and you never really know when you start how they're going to be. But the other side of it is, you know, where the formula comes in is having a conversation at the appropriate time to say, this is how we need to play with our collaborators. These are the rules of engagement. Um, you know, there, there'll be opportunities to work together. We need to be really transparent and clear on that. And, and setting the, the that framework at the appropriate time is really, really critical. And just, just on that, Murray, in terms of time management for you in a week, you know, we've had Paul Crane on the podcast talking about red, blue, black. Yep. In terms of, if you remember red, blue, black. Uh, I do. Black being the development for the business. How much time would you spend typically in a week on, on black activity? I would say it would be 50 to 60% of my week. Oh, wow. That's a high amount. And if over the course of your career, how would that have changed? Oh, significantly. Uh, absolutely significantly. So I've been doing this 30-odd years, and I've perhaps inhabited that area for the last maybe five. Um, and, and a little bit of that is also, you know, I am in a partnership with 11. I'm one of 11. And, you know, it, I, I probably spend more time in black than most of those partners. It's one of my roles here. Um, it hasn't always been the case, uh, and it won't be the case for some of those other people, perhaps at all, or certainly for, for a while. So typically, what activities would fit into that black activity, black, black scheduling for the week for you? Uh, those, well, really, it is about make, touching base with and, and in managing the relationships with key clients, uh, key referrers, new opportunities um, and also as part of that the the key drivers within our business making sure you know those conversations those opportunities for relationship are are taken are given seed uh, to to educate people and make sure they're on the same journey um, in the business i mean that's really what what i spend my time doing yeah it's really interesting i know i've that's uh, to be commended for your partnership and you to be able to spend that amount of time doing it because mostly, most professionals, as we've said, get caught up doing the content uh, yep. day in, day out, uh, all the blue work uh, without too, too much concern for the black. But um, that's a, obviously a conscious decision by your partnership to have you in that particular role. And I know you've got other people coming through from a succession planning point of view that you're mentoring as well. Yes. Yeah, look, that's, that's absolutely the case. And, and to be frank, it wouldn't work if we didn't have those other people coming through. Uh, you know, one of the things we talk about regularly in our practice is that we want this practice to grow, not for ourselves, but so that our, our really good people, and we've got some really good people, uh, can have a career here. Um, and they don't have to wait for one of us to retire for that to occur. Yep. It's about... We, we grow for them, not for us. No, I love that. And then that sort of, you know, leads me to um, having, you know, going into this, where does value sit for a lot of these clients that sit in that broad range of those 5 to $50 million or 5 to $80 million with the business client? I know we've been spending some time forming advisory boards and sitting on advisory boards. Is that a, a, something deliberate that you'd like to see more of within your firm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and, and there's two reasons behind that. You know, the first one is it's actually really satisfying and enjoying work. Uh, you know, you, you, you are having perhaps an, an easier and more formal way some of those deeper conversations we've already been talking about. And, and the, the second reason is it is a, uh, a great work spinner. And so what I mean by that is that in having those conversations, uh, you get the opportunity to drive the context conversations you mentioned earlier on, which tend to lead to action, which tend to need to the, uh, lead to the need for more advice. Yeah. Uh, not yep. just for us, but for our network. Yeah, it's within you know it's within the context of what's the client trying to achieve. There's nothing sinister about it. Uh, I just see, you know, without putting too many words in your mouth, the value that it brings to that business client, um, being able to have an advisory board to you know maybe even formalising it right through to a, a, a full board operating. Yep, I completely agree. So. Um, just on that, if you're looking at a business, is there a particular time you go, okay, we need to have, we need to start this conversation? Uh, is, is there a particular time? I would say that there's probably there's all sorts of good reasons to do it, but the, the two key things that I would see around that would be if they truly have, and even as I say this, I think it's actually no. There's no no good time. There's there's no time like the present. But if they truly have a goal or a target of an exit or succession of some sort, they they need to be planning for it at all times. And the vast majority of businesses only ever give that lip service. Um, and a uh, a board or an advisor, a formal advisory um, system will hold them accountable to bringing the change they need to actually bring that plan into action. Um, and, and then the only other one I was going to raise is, is other times of crisis in, in business and or life when they really do need to bring change for exactly the same reason. It's a way of actually making sure the right ideas are on the table and that accountability occurs. Business owners, we are all time poor. Business owners are time poor. They talk more about change than they actually do it and it takes accountability and the right ideas at the right time for them to actually bring the change that will make the differences that will you know, that, that they need. Yeah, that's a great response. It, it's it's that leap of faith sometimes, isn't it, to bring people into the tent and yes. uh, you know we'll look under the bonnet to see what's happening inside that business. Now, Murray, I'm going to move on a little. What what I you know we're passionate about here is creating context for what makes a great life. So, if I can ask you that question. You, you're how old at the moment? 50 soon. Holy dooly. Okay, so let's imagine 10 years time. I just want to ask you the four L's really quickly, just to rapid fire. But, you know, if we were sitting here in 10 years, what makes a great life for you? What would it look like? Uh, to be honest with you, I've got teenagers who are just grappling with early adulthood. And, and great life for me would be having, a, having really functional relationships with them. Yep in 10 years would probably be the first thing on my agenda. Great. And, you know, the, um, the, which sort of leads to, you know, live, love, learn, legacy, I call it, but, you know, in 10 years' time, how are you living? What's it look like for you? Are you still working? Yeah, I think I am. Um, I, I do really enjoy what I do. Um, I, I get great satisfaction out of those relationships and conversations and, uh, and the changes we get to, to bring. 
So I, I, I hope so. Uh, very good. And the learn, you know, if you had your time again, or even, you know, with a blank sheet of paper, is there anything you'd like to do differently or, or go and further advance yourself in, or just, you know, right down to learning a musical instrument? Is there something else you'd like to, you know, put on your bucket list, so to speak, from a, a learning or educational point of view? Yeah, the, the musical instrument is, is a big one. Uh, I, I, I've talked about it. I've bought a couple. I've never done it. So that's probably first on the list. I can see you with a guitar there somewhere. I've decided basses for me. <laughs> and the last one is your legacy. What did it all mean? And, and that's talking about, you know, if you weren't here today, but also whilst you're here, what, what did you want to impart from a legacy point of view? Look, more than anything in that regard, that uh, to be known as, as, a, as a business... And I do tend to think of sort of, it's, I guess it's more a personal question, but I'd actually try to throw it to the business, to know it as a business that actually grew people and cared about people. Um, and that's not just our clients or our staff, it's the world that we inhabit. Fantastic. And what about for you personally? Is that the same? Personal context for legacy? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Mm. All right, buddy. Now, what, I'm just going to summarise this so I've got this right in my head. Uh, you're, yourself, from an accounting point of view, you've got an eye on the future. You understand the, the values in the relationships. You're trying to broaden the skill set of yourself and your partners and people coming through to have broader conversations. Uh, you feel there's great value in the advisory boards. Uh, you've, you've spent a lot of time building your best of breed team to support you. And as a business, what I heard, you know, I, I really felt some, you know, some emotion around that legacy piece for you is a big piece of your puzzle. Yeah, I think that's a fair summary. So I want to finish with, what's the, you know, for, for our listeners out there, what's your daily habit or a habit you think has really, really helped propel you from a, to a successful advisory space? Is there something that sticks out? You go, you know what, I do that well, or it's something I, it's a habit I do very, very well. I stole this from someone, it's probably Brian Fitzpatrick, but I might be misremembering, give him credit. Okay. Um, which, which was to, to make time every week to, to just be away from the office without an agenda and a blank piece of paper for about an hour, perhaps even more. Um, and I find that's when the, uh, the, 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 the ideas that change my business tend to, uh, tend to get traction. Uh, and just to be clear, you did steal that from Brian. It's called your... There you go. Yes, it's giving you some headspace, but that's a really great one. Mine's on a Sunday night. I like a beer and a blank sheet of paper to have a look at what needs to be done. So Murray, where do we contact you if we'd like to hear a little bit more from you? Well, I say all the usual places, oh. LinkedIn, uh, the, uh, the internet, uh, certainly I, my, my office is in, uh, in Brisbane City. Uh, we, we Australian-based firm, we look after clients up and down the east coast of, uh, of Australia. So um, yeah, that's where you find us. And you do have an international network as well. 
We do, we do. It's an important part of what we offer. Um, increasingly, the world shrinks, and uh, we need to know people in other jurisdictions to help our clients. And uh, yeah, that's a really important part of, of our offering and, and that, those relationships. We have to know the people. So, so thankful you gave up your time today, Murray. I really appreciate it, and I, you know, I really value that that last few minutes where you, we get a little bit of an insight into Murray Howlett, the person. So, thank you very much for your time. Absolutely, a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Gap Podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.